Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Valley Point Church is a faith community located in Glen Mills, PA. Our mission is pointing people to real relationships and real significance. Our communications pastor, Ben Jones, is bringing our message today. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Well, good morning. My name is Ben, and I'm one of the pastors here at Valley Point. And I have been looking forward to this day to spend with you. And congratulations, you made it through Christmas. You made it through another one. And hopefully you got some extended time with family and friends, and hopefully you got some time off of work. And then as this week progressed, hopefully your house began to get back into normal and people began to leave and go back to their places and uh, just... Hope that this week has been a special week for you, and I refer to this as our holiday hangover weekend because we are so exhausted and a bit sleepy from all of the activity of the weeks, but this is the last Sunday of the year that we get to meet together as a church, and when we gather again, it's going to be 2016, a new year, a new season, and a fresh start in many ways for us. And as I look through and look forward to a new year, it seems like there's kind of two ways that you can go about coming to the end of the year. You can kind of look back and reflect and say, that was a good year. That's a good year. And I, I'm, I'm happy with it. And I'm looking forward to next year. And I hope it's as good as the one that I was able to walk through. Or you get to the end of the year and you say, wow, that was brutal. I can't wait to get out of this year and start a new one, and hopefully it's going to be better than the one I just walked through. And my hope is that regardless of where you are in those two areas, that there will be something today for you, something that will encourage you, and hopefully something that will inspire you and help you to launch into a new year and a new season with strength. And one of the things that I think of when I look to a new year, I really like the the Sunday between Christmas and New Year's, because we get to look back and reflect, but then we get to look forward and say, well, where would I like to improve? And we begin to prepare, and we plan, and we do a really good job at planning in a lot of areas of our lives. We plan our calendars, and we plan for events, and we know when school is starting for our kids And we know when their sports are starting and where they need to be and when I need to pick them up. Well, at least most of the time. They'll get home eventually, but we do a really good job planning and preparing. We plan for business meetings. We plan for our meals throughout the week. We plan for our exercise routines. And we prepare for vacations, right? We're really good at that. We never forget to prepare for vacation. And so we put all of these plans into place, and usually we find some level of success when we plan well and when we prepare. That sort of lays the foundation to bring about success. So I want us to think about two questions today. The first question is this. Where did you find success in 2015? Wherever it may have been, perhaps it was a relational success. Maybe there was a rift in a relationship, whether it was a family member, a spouse, a child, 
a, a friend, but there, there, there was something that wasn't right, and you were able to walk through that and navigate through that, and you repaired and restored that relationship. That's a great success. Or perhaps you succeeded in your professional career. Maybe you made some things happen, you closed some big deals, maybe you got a promotion at work, maybe you got a raise in your salary. That's a great success. Well, maybe that's where yours was. Maybe it was with your education. Maybe you walked through some classes that were really difficult and you came through the other side. Or maybe you wrapped up college and you got your first job. It's a great success. So wherever it may have been for you, what was your successes in 2015? And then here's the second question I want us to think about. It's a little more difficult. It might take a little more thinking on our part, but here's the question I'd like for us to think about. How would you rate your spiritual success in 2015? How did you do spiritually? And how did you prepare spiritually for this year? Did you plan in the way that you planned out other areas in life? Because we oftentimes neglect to plan out this area of our lives. For whatever reason, it's just not as natural as some of the other areas. And maybe you look back and you have a sense of disappointment in your spiritual success. Maybe you had all of these intentions to to start strong and you were going to make all of this room for generosity and you were going to be in church and you were going to go on a compassion trip or you were going to participate in love days. It just didn't happen the way that you were anticipating. Perhaps schedules collided and maybe a sports program began and you underestimated the commitment of your kids and your own schedule and it just didn't work out the way that you had hoped for. Or maybe you had decided this is the year I'm going to lead my family well spiritually. I'm going to read scripture with them and I'm going to pray with them and for them. And you just fell a little bit short of what you were hoping for last year. So regardless of where you feel like you came up short, I think that we can all find ourselves falling short in some area. And so now that we're really disappointed in ourselves, let's not stay there, okay? Because we do have a new beginning starting in just a few days. That's the beautiful thing about New Year's. We can take inventory of where we came up short, and then let's decide to succeed in those areas, and let's put some plans into place, and let's start preparing now for what's to come. But how do we do that spiritually? And as we walk through today, think of where it is that you would like to succeed in the coming year. Let's put a couple of things on the table. Let's go ahead and say uh, scripture reading. We all need to read our Bibles more. That's for you. That's for me. Everyone who's a Christian needs to read their Bible more. I don't know about you, but I've never heard someone say, wow, I just read so much scripture this year. I can't believe I am just overwhelmed by how much I read my Bible. I've never said that, and I've never heard that. So let's put that on the table. Let's also put prayer on the table. That's for all of us. You need to pray more. I need to pray more. Again, I've never heard someone say, whoa, I just prayed so much this year that I, I, I forgot to pay my mortgage. I was praying so much. I've never said that, and I know you have never said that. So let's put both of those things on the table. That's for all of us. Read our Bible more and pray more. 
Let's take that and put it off to the side just for a couple of minutes. We're going to come back to that. Let's think a little deeper than that. Let's get a little more personal than that. Maybe for you, it's the words that you speak to others. Maybe you are harsh with others with your words. Maybe there's some language that you use that you're not necessarily proud of and you've been trying to work on it and get better, but you're constantly trying to catch these words flying out of your mouth and shoving them back in. You just can't seem to win in this area. Or maybe you're just mean to others in your speech. And so maybe that's where you need to focus in on in the coming years. Or maybe it's your attitude. You just naturally find yourself being pessimistic and negative and you get a sense that it's starting to wear on the people around you and it's kind of wearing you down and you're getting this growing sense and this conviction that this is not what God wants for you and you're just having a really hard time adjusting your attitude. Maybe there's a lot of bitterness a lot of anger inside of you, and you don't want that there. Let's focus in on that and say, in 2016, we're going to be better than what we were this year. Or maybe it's just in the way that you lead your family spiritually, that you get your family in this room each week as much as possible, and that you clear out calendar spaces to be generous with your time and with your resources and with your finances Maybe that's the area you need to focus in on. Or maybe it's just a character flaw. Something that maybe only you know about. Or maybe one other person or a couple people may know. Or there's a gap in your integrity. There's an area that if people knew about, oh, if someone found out about that, it would be embarrassing. And you'd be ashamed of that. Well, let's focus in on those areas and say, well, let's be better in 2016 than what we were this year. And let's begin to think through this and plan and prepare for the year to come. Here's our big idea for today. Here's what I want us to consider. Preparing for spiritual success is vital for you and for your relationships. Preparation is a good thing, and it's helpful, and it paves the way for success. And God did not leave you here to figure this out all on your own. There's some very wise and very practical information in Scripture that we're going to walk through today to help us succeed in these areas. We're going to kick off with a verse, and we're going to break this down uh, a little deeper uh, this morning too, but it's found in Ephesians chapter 6. It says, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. So these aren't just words to say. These are things that we need to learn to apply into our lives because we need them to succeed. Now, before we jump in any further, I want to kind of lay out some benefits for us. So why should we do this? Why, what's the benefit for me for succeeding spiritually? Well, the first benefit that you're going to find is that your desires will begin to align with God's desires for you. You feel frustrated. You feel like you're spinning your wheels, like you're trying to make something happen, and you're putting everything into it, and it's just not happening for you. You discontent with where God has you in life, the stage of life that you're in. 
See, those are not God's desires for you. He does not desire for you to be frustrated. God's desire for you is not to be discontent or bitter or angry. And when we succeed spiritually, our desires will begin to align with God's desires for us. Another benefit is that our priorities will begin to align with God's desires for us. So our desires shift and our priorities shift. Do you want more time cleared in your schedule for generosity? Do you want more quality family time, less hectic schedules? When we succeed spiritually, our priorities begin to align with God's desires for us. And then here's the last benefit, is that our relationships, all of them, will benefit. They will all improve because as we pursue a relationship with God and as we grow closer to Him, then our relationships with others begin to align. And your relationships will benefit. Your relationships with your family, with your spouse, with your children, these things will begin to align as you plan and prepare and begin to succeed spiritually. So those are the benefits. And I hope that sounds good to you. It does to me. A lower level of frustration, a lower level of discontent, happier relationships. It sounds good. And now we want to break down a little piece of Scripture, a paragraph in, in Scripture that, that, that sort of explains how we can begin to succeed in these areas. And I'll just say it's not easy, but it is here for us, and there's a challenge for us to pull all of this off. And we're going to look in the book of Ephesians, and this was written by the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul was one of the very earliest church leaders and this was written about 60 A.D., so about 60 years after Christ. And most theologians think that he probably wrote this in prison himself while he was uh, teaching about Jesus. He was imprisoned, and this is where he wrote this, as an encouragement to the modern-day Christians of his time. And it wasn't easy being a Christian in that time because there was opposition for them around every turn and every corner. And so they were beginning to draw weary. And some of them were frightened and discouraged. And so Paul writes some things to them and says, this is my battle cry for you. And this is what I want for you. And this is what God wants for you. And this is our battle cry even for us today. So let's look. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally... Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And that word schemes there carries the idea of cleverness, of being cunning or crafty methods or deception. And so those are the words that the Bible uses to describe the devil or Satan, our enemy. And then in verse 12, he goes on, for our struggle... That word struggle also gets translated as to wrestle or to fight. And so our fight is not against flesh and blood, what we can see and feel and touch, but against the rulers and the authorities and the powers in this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil and in the heavenly realms. This sounds pretty serious. It's pretty dramatic reading. And Paul says, yeah. Yeah, it is serious. I'm not talking about some galaxy far, far away. This isn't make-believe here. This is real-life stuff. 
This is happening right now around you and around me. All of the time, there is a spiritual warfare. And the analogy of fighting and of warfare is not figurative in its language because it literally meant in that day hand-to-hand combat. And it would usually use trickery and deception. So Paul says there is a very real enemy. And all he wants is to destroy you, to frustrate you, to make you discontent, to confuse you, to make you doubt everything that you've learned about Scripture and its truth. He seeks to destroy you. He's also seeking to destroy your marriage. That's his purpose. He wants to destroy you, destroy your marriage, destroy your kids and their lives. That's what he wants to do, and he will stop at nothing to accomplish it. Theologian Elmer Towns puts it this way, We should never underestimate the depraved and debauched levels to which Satan will stoop simply to thwart the plan of God. This is serious stuff. Have you ever had the very real sense that there was something inside of you that you couldn't describe, you couldn't explain, but all you knew was that it was pulling you away from what you knew that God wanted for you in your life? Or maybe you've sensed this in your children's lives, that something was just desperately pulling them away from you, and you so desperately wanted to hold on to them, and all of the values and All of the things that you were instilling into them were trying to be pulled away from them. This isn't make-believe. You're not imagining things. There's a very real enemy who's out to take you out and to take your family out. And so just like some of us today, the Christians of that time probably took a little bit of a step back. Like, whoa, didn't quite realize all of that was happening. Paul says, look, look, I I know this can be a little bit frightening. And for some of you, this is the first time you're hearing this. But this isn't the time to panic, okay? There's some good news. First of all, it's important to realize that each and every one of us alone does not possess the power to fight this spiritual battle on our own. We're not strong enough. We can't will ourselves to do what is right against the attacks of the enemy. Satan is too strong. He's too cunning. It's too alluring. Temptation and sin looks too compelling on our own. But the good news is that those of us who put our faith in Jesus alone to save us, we're given God's Holy Spirit to reside inside of us. The scripture teaches. And after you do that, there is a divine power inside of you that now enables you to fight the spiritual battle. And so we go on, and Paul says, look, that's the good news, and and don't panic here. There's some hope. In verse 13, he goes on, he says, this is what we need to do. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm them with, and here's what we should put on, the belt of truth. Remember that list of words that we talked about in that opening paragraph? Buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith so that you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so in order to succeed spiritually, we have to take full advantage of the entire arsenal of protection that the Scriptures teach us about. And Paul gives us this analogy of the Roman armor of his day. And the Romans were superb fighters. They were smart and they were cunning. And they knew how to protect themselves in battle. And they knew how to impose their will onto their enemy. And they found radical success with this. And Paul says, if you want spiritual success, well then we need to put on some pieces of armor. Let's take some notes from the Roman soldiers and how they prepared for battle. And so we're going to run the list here. And there's quite a few of these. We'll try to kind of run through these quickly, and you could really spend a whole morning on each of these. We're just going to kind of get a bird's eye view of of all of this. So he first leads with the belt of truth. And this speaks of having truthfulness in your pursuit of living a life that God wants for you, and to be authentic and sincere in your faith. It also speaks of being confident in the truth that is found in Scripture. Because one of Satan's greatest weapons is the weapons of confusion and of doubt. So here are some truths that we're told in Scripture. We find these in the Bible, so we know they're true. God loves you, and He wants a relationship with you. That's true for each and every one of us. God has a specific plan for you. We're told that. We will never abandon us. For those of us who have trusted in Jesus alone to save us, God will never abandon you. He will never leave you alone. And here's another truth. God has your best in his mind. God has your very best in his plan. Those are true. And here are some of the lies that Satan will tell us in contrast to those truths. He'll say things like, yeah, God cares about some people, but he doesn't care about you. He loves some people, but you're unlovable. Satan whispers these things to us, and we begin to believe these things. He'll say that God is distant, and he has bigger and better things to worry about than your petty problems, so you need to just figure this out on your own. That's not what Scripture says. He says, the enemy says that God's either mad at you, Or he's just forgotten about you, or you wouldn't be where you are today. He says, if God is so loving, and if God is in control, why are there so many evil things that happen in the world around us? We begin to ponder that. And when we don't know the truth in Scripture, we begin to believe the lies. And the belt is mentioned first, because the armor, many of the different pieces would attach to the belt. And if the belt fell or failed, then the rest of the armor would fail with it. And so we have to know the truth in the Bible so that we can recognize the lies or the enemy is going to take us out. So that's the belt of truth. And then we're told about the breastplate of righteousness. And the idea here is of right living. And again, not by our own power, but through the Holy Spirit's divine power working through us, we can live right before God. And this piece of armor protected the heart. And when the Bible uses the word heart, it primarily uses it to represent the immaterial nature of man. It teaches us that the heart is the seat of everything inside of us. In Proverbs, 
The author writes, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. It's our entire inner person, our thoughts, our emotions, our volition. It all extends from our heart. This includes keeping your heart pure. And it also means that we must keep our physical selves pure. Because our physical purity directly correlates with our spiritual success. So put on the breastplate of righteousness and protect your heart above all else. And then it says, put on the shoes of peace that comes from the good news. And the good news is Jesus, that he came to this earth, that he died for us in place of our sins. And now we can put our trust and faith in him and have an eternal life with him. That's the good news. And it speaks of putting on shoes to be ready to take this good news to others and to shine a bright light for others and to be active, to be an active participant in God's redeeming plan here on earth. And we do this all the time at Valley Point through our Love Day initiatives and through compassion trips. We go and we serve and we love. We expect nothing in return. And it's important to stay active because that prevents us from becoming lazy and passive which leads to self-indulgence. And that's prime real estate for the enemy to come in and take us out. So prevent laziness in your spiritual journey by being active and taking your bright light to others. Put on the shoes of peace and share that with others. Then we're told to take up the shield of faith. And this speaks of an unwavering faith in God that he is who he says he is in the Bible, and that he will do what he says that he will do. And it's unwavering. In this time, the Roman soldiers would have very large shields. And I have a picture of one of those for you. They stood about four feet high, about two and a half feet wide. It was made of usually brass and of leather. And they would take that entire shield and they would dip it in water and completely saturate the leather. And they would do this because in the battles at that time, they would have archers and they would dip the arrows and pitch and light them on fire and shoot these fiery arrows at their enemy. And remember how Paul described temptation in our lives? They're like fiery arrows from the enemy. And so the shield had to provide two things, protection from the actual arrow, and then it had to quench the fire that would follow. And in the same way, our unwavering faith in God can protect us from the attack and quench the lies of the enemy. In the book of James, the Bible says that those who do not possess confidence in God are destined for failure. And then we're told to put on the helmet of salvation. This is to protect your mind from attacks. And while the enemy does not have the power to take away your salvation. Once we put our faith in Jesus alone to save us, and we're sincere about that, nothing can take that away from us, including Satan. But what he can do, and what he's very good at, is causing you to doubt that salvation that you possess, and even doubt the very existence of God. And he begins to whisper things into our mind. Take a look around you. If God's so loving... If he's so powerful, why are so many bad things happening in the world? He begins to whisper these things inside of our minds. Would a, would a loving God who loved you have you 
in this situation of life. He loves to attack us when we're down. We're susceptible. How could a loving God allow people to do such evil? And he plants these seeds of doubt and confusion in our minds. And we begin to think on this and dwell on this, and we're not sure what to make of it. But how do we protect our minds from attacks like these? Well, you protect your mind by knowing Scripture, by reading it. But not just reading it, but studying it. By studying the nature of God, the personality of God. And to know that He is who He says He is, and He will do what He says He will do. And as you study the character and the nature of God, you begin to align some things and it makes sense. There can be an all-knowing and all-loving God the God of the Bible, the God of history, the God of the future. And there can still be everything that's happening in the world around us. Those things can be reconciled, but the enemy wants us to get lost and confused and dwell on the doubt instead of studying and understanding what Scripture tells us. So I would encourage you to do that. That's why it's so important not just to be here on the weekends, but to study God's Word on your own. And vice versa, you can't just study on your own, you need to be here where you can learn to implement these truths into your lives. And so it all works together. So put on the helmet of salvation and protect your mind. And everything we've mentioned so far has been defensive in its nature. Then he gives us one last piece. He says, well, you you do need to protect yourself too. And so he says, put on the sword of the Spirit. And the Roman sword of that time was short and strong, and I have a picture to show you, and it was sharp, and it required very close and very skillful hand-to-hand combat. And so the idea here is to be able to skillfully apply scriptural truth and principles into your everyday living. Well, how did the soldiers get so good at using weapons like these? Well, they practiced And they had experience. And they prepared well for battle. And just like that, we need practice reading God's Word. And we need experience. The longer we walk with God and pursue a relationship with Him, the more we can succeed in this area. The Bible tells us that once we put our faith in Jesus alone to save us, God's Holy Spirit comes and takes residence inside of us. One of His primary roles is to help us in this area. As we read Scripture, because some of it can be confusing and hard to understand, and it's His role in our lives to help us to understand it as we read it and as we study it. And as we desire to know more, He reveals that to us. And He reveals how to apply this into our lives. So it takes some planning, some preparation, some time in Scripture. And then get people around you who are more experienced than you, who have walked with God longer than you, and get perspective and guidance. And know how to use the sword of the Word of God properly in your life. So that's it. That's the whole armor of God. And I have a picture here to sort of put it all together for you. It has all the different pieces kind of lined up. There's the helmet or the belt of truth. And that's being authentic in our faith and knowing truth so that we can fight the lies of Satan and the breastplate of righteousness to guard our heart and to stay pure spiritually and physically. And the shoes of peace to be ready to share the good news with others. 
the shield of faith, of unwavering faith in God, a helmet of salvation to protect our minds, and the sword of the Spirit to learn how to apply Scripture and principles in the Bible into our lives. And when all of these come together, it's a beautiful thing. And as we begin to find success, we give in less to temptation. We're able to dismiss the lies of the enemy. We're able to embrace the truths in Scripture. We're able to see more clearly, to make better decisions, better decisions in our relationships, and they all get better. We're able to discern better, and we live happier lives. Less frustration, less discontent. Our desires begin to align with God's desires for us, and our priorities begin to align with God's desires for us, and our relationships begin to benefit. All of this occurs through our spiritual success. So put on the full spiritual armor of God. And I just have two takeaways for us as we wrap up our time together. The first is this, be on guard. All of the time, be on guard and don't underestimate your potential for spiritual failure. I say that to myself. Don't underestimate your potential for spiritual failure. It lives with inside of me, and it lives within inside of you. So don't get arrogant in your faith. You have great potential for spiritual failure, so be on guard. And don't fight alone. Get people around you that can help you share your struggles with others. Don't try to go it alone. And then continue to fight. Even when you have failed in the past, you should continue to fight today. Wherever your failure lies, it doesn't have to be the failures of your future. Wherever your marriage might be today, fight for it. No matter what failures have happened in your past, it's not too late to fight for your spouse, to fight for your marriage, and fight for your children. For some of you, you have children who are lost, who have wandered away, and you desperately want them to come home. It's not too late. Keep fighting for them. You should never give up. There's always hope. So be on guard all of the time and fight. And then our second takeaway is this. Prepare by reading scripture and praying. Those are the two things we took off the table for a moment. Well, let's put them back on. Because Paul finishes up this paragraph in verse number 18 and says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and in every occasion. Stay alert. And be persistent in your prayers. Don't underestimate the power of your prayer. Not the power of Pastor Eric's prayer. Or other pastors or other spiritual leaders. No. Your prayer has power. So pray for yourself. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your children, your friends, your co-workers. For Valley Point Church. For our country. Because your prayer has power. And then we have a perfect opportunity to embrace Scripture in the coming weeks. Next week, we begin a series called Life First. And this has been a tradition for us over these last couple of years, and if you were here for the last time, you know what this is about. If not, this is a series where we take a look at Scripture, and we kind of determine one or two verses, and we all pick something out individually and say, this is going to be our battle cry for the coming year. 
this is the direction that I'm going. This is the direction that my family is going and everything else is going to clear out of the way so that we can accomplish this. And so be thinking about that. And we're going to provide some resources for you beginning next week of how you can begin to think through what your life verse is going to be. You can just go home and Google it, life verse. It's a thing. It'll bring up all sorts of verses that'll help you think through what's something good for you to claim and something you can write on your mirrors and in your car and set up reminders to send to you on your phones to say, this is my battle cry for 2016. That all begins next Sunday. So be here. There's no better place for you to start your year than right here, getting into God's word and spending some time in prayer. Now, I just want to provide you with some final moments, a quiet moment, perhaps the most quiet moment you're going to have all week. So take advantage of it. The band's going to play instrumentally, and I want you to think about this year. Where were some of your shortcomings? And then say, okay, now let's look to the coming year, and how can I start preparing? How can I start planning for success in some of those areas? So enjoy this moment and take advantage of it. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.